the Secrets of the Self-Made podcast, where lifelong learners share their proven formula to achieving what they desire most. These are the students of Self-Made You, who have invested in a higher education that is arguably more important than any other subject. They have mastered self to overcome obstacles and create what they once thought impossible. Now it's your turn to learn and listen from the student who has become the teacher. Class is now in session. Welcome back to the Secrets of the Self-Made. Today, I have a very, very special friend and student of Self-Made You, Maria Retan, and I go way back, and I cannot wait for you guys to get to know Maria. But before I let her introduce herself, I'm going to throw an icebreaker at her. As you guys all know, we get to hear about our guests' experience in regards to this higher level of education through Self-Made You. But I also want to give you the perspective of her earlier education. So Maria, welcome. Thanks for having me, especially on this special day. Happy birthday, oh, Tracy. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Today is my 50th birthday. Ah. Oh. It just seems like yesterday that I was celebrating my 29th. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. It just gets better from here on out. It's all good. It's all, all right. Good. Good. <laughs> okay. So let's hear it. Um, I think I know the answer to this question because I know you so well, but uh, did you play any sports in high school? And if so, what sport did you play? Well, Tracy, I was a cheerleader. Yep. So, and I absolutely consider cheerleading to be a sport. Heck yeah. Uh, you know, it involves so many skills. I think you have to have athleticism, you have to have positivity. It works as a team, all of that. Right. So yes, I was a cheerleader for my entire high school and middle school career. Oh, that's so awesome. So did you cheer for all sports? Uh, basketball and football. And I'm from the okay. South. So football is king in the South. And yeah. so that was really the big party. It was, uh, was cheerleading for football, but I did football and basketball. And then for a season, I also did wrestling. Oh, how cool. I always mm -hmm. thought that was so interesting. Wrestling wasn't a, I come from the Pacific Northwest and wrestling really wasn't a big sport for us out there, but I've seen uh, wrestling cheerleaders where they're like sitting cross-legged and yes. slapping the mat. And I always think that's so cute. Uh -huh. I know. Well, I did that. I did that for a season. Yep. So I could have bet money on the fact that you were a cheerleader back in the day. And here's why. Because I have known Maria for probably over 15 some odd yeah. years. Yeah. 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 We met um, in our you know, former career of advertising and PR. And I will tell you, Maria is such a source of inspiration. Like she will cheer you on. She's always your biggest fan. I can't even tell you. I don't think that there is another person that walks the face of this earth that I feel so supported and so connected to because of Maria. Like Maria 
always goes that extra mile to connect people and to cheer people on and to root, you know, to make them feel supported. And so no surprise that you were <laughs> a cheerleader in your former life. Thank you, Tracy. That is so sweet. You're going to make me cry. Oh, that is so, so sweet. True. But so yeah, true. you know, but I cheer for the good ones. It's only the good ones. So yes. Thank you. So, okay. So tell us a little bit about like, I am so fascinated by your story and I, okay, I'm just going to say one more thing. And I promise to all of our listeners, I am not just saying this because Maria is on the show, but when I first met Maria, like I was a little bit awestruck, like she was a principal at the PR side of the agency that uh, Carmichael Lynch and Carmichael Lynch Spong that we both worked for. And she's one of the best and one of the brightest. And so I was always a little intimidated by her. <laughs> and then we became friends. And then Maria, of course, because she was always looking to support me, um, became a student of Self-Made You. And so I'll tell you what, pressure's on when somebody who you idolize is coming to you to learn something. So I'm curious, outside of just wanting to support me, Maria, what attracted you to self-made you? And give us give us a little bit of the background because I think your um, professional life is so fascinating. So tell us all the things. Okay. All right. Well, first, let's answer the obvious question is what attracted me to self-made you? And it was you. Hello. Okay. <laughs> um, I And I'll back up into this story, but I was really, at the time I approached you about joining self-made you, I was hoping to fulfill what was like a 17-year passion project. Mm -hmm. So I had been thinking for 15, 17 years that I wanted to create a coaching business to support people in my previous professions, which would be journalism, mm -hmm. help to make the transition to uh, pivot from that profession if they wanted to get out, and a lot of them do, to something else. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I had my own experience to draw from, uh, but I wasn't sure really how to put that into a coaching mechanism. And you were doing remarkable things. And uh, just knowing you and knowing how you know good you are at what you do, anything that you do, you're always so good at it. And just having the rapport that we have, and I knew that I could really just be really real and honest with you, and and just tell you what I needed, and um, and you would be there to support me and really help me be the best coach that I could be. And that's, I mean, you were the only person I thought of. I was like, I have got to work with Tracy. <laughs> now, here's what I have to do, Tracy. And I remember talking to you. It was 90, a 90 day course. Mm -hmm. And I said, Tracy, I've got 30 days. I need to do your 90 day course in 30 days. Yep, we because, fast tracked it. Yeah, I, can you fast track it for me? And of course you said yes. And um, so anyway, that's, the reason I did it was because I, I had this desire to create this passion project and I only wanted to do it with you because of your track record. So you're the reason, uh, but I'll back up into why it became a passion project. So um, I think I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm from the South. I grew up in North Carolina and my original career was in TV news. Mm -hmm. And I started off as a reporter, found out that I'm too much of a control freak to be a reporter and got into producing and ultimately spent half of my career running newsrooms. So I was responsible for the whole enchilada. 
at a newsroom. And my last stop was at uh, the CBS station in the Twin Cities. And I knew when I moved to the Twin Cities that ultimately I would get out of the news because that industry had changed so much. And uh, for someone in my position running newsrooms, you typically did not stay very long in any one market. And I had a young daughter at the time and I wanted to, to um, put down some roots and be near family. And so my husband's from the Twin Cities. And that's ultimately why I took the job, because I knew it would be my last stop. So I made the transition out of news into PR and advertising. And Tracy, that's where we met was at Carmichael Lynch, mm -hmm. because um, the gentleman that was running the PR side of that PR and advertising um agency was had had made some non-traditional hires. And when I say non-traditional for those listening, that's someone who didn't come from public relations. So right. I did not have a degree in public relations. I did not come from another agency. And this is a very large global, you know, company, meaning it had it had clients everywhere. Yeah. And I knew that someone would have to take a chance on me. Um, and and one, understand the value that I brought to public relations and also find a way for me to add value to that organization. Mm -hmm. And I came with some demands. Imagine that, <laughs> um, which was I didn't want to be slotted in media relations, which are people are apt to do with journalists. And instead, I really wanted to uh, be more client facing because of my experience running newsrooms. And I was, you know, I had PL responsibility. I was hiring, firing. I was coaching. I'm doing all of that. So um, he understood that and he offered me the job and I was there for a little over 10 years and it was amazing time, a wonderful opportunity for me to learn not only PR from the ground up, but also advertising because at that time that firm was going through some transition in order to be really an integrated firm. Yeah. And I was asked to kind of lead that effort for PR and I had a cohort on the advertising side and and then ultimately what happened is I began to lead what was called integrated accounts, where I was the lead on advertising business, digital business, social business, and PR business. And um, there weren't many of us doing that. And so I feel really, really blessed that I had that experience. And it was huge, huge for me. Um, but I really knew that I wanted to do more. Um, yes, I could have retired there, but I was too young to think about retirement. <laughs> and I always wanted to lead a firm, but I never really thought I could have my own firm. Yeah. So keep that in the back of your mind, because then I jumped to a boutique firm in town to be president and chief strategy officer with the idea that that CEO wanted to revolutionize the business. Mm -hmm. And we ran into some challenges uh, in the course of that work. And but but it was invaluable to me because what I saw was that I could do that. I could run a, that type of business on my own. I just had not really had the confidence, and that's really key, to do that and step out and, and really tackle that. So after about a year and a half at that boutique firm, I decided to launch Top Sales Strategies, which is my integrated communications consultancy, where I um, consult clients, small, big, medium, Mm -hmm. on communications, um, tactics, strategy. I, I won't bore you with all those details, but um, I launched that in 2015 and that's still going strong. Mm -hmm. But where the passion project comes in is I had this 
month where I wasn't incredibly busy. Okay, and one, I, month, one, one month. month. <laughs> and I went, oh, what am I going to do with myself? Oh, <laughs> let's launch another business. So, um, no, I'm not really crazy. And um, but that's when I turned to you, because over the course of the time that I left TV and uh, TV news, and went into PR and advertising, I would talk to people all the time. People would just call me and say, how did you do that? How did you do that? I would have strangers call me mm -hmm. because I was a very rare person in that I was a news director who left and made that switch. This is more commonly something that's done by reporters or producers. Very rarely do news directors make the switch because we have the golden handcuffs, right? Mm -hmm. So, over time, I talked to, I can't even tell you how many people. And I just thought, wow, there is a really need out there. So this was 2019 uh, before COVID, you know, yeah. all of that before the world turned upside down. And you and I met, I went through your 90 day coaching in 30 days. You were instrumental in getting my head wrapped around kind of what I needed to talk about, how I needed to talk about it really. And getting that into a module um, where I could coach and, um, coaching is something I've always done my entire career. I've always been a mentor, a facilitator of people, um, really looking to champion my teams. So coaching was a natural extension to what I had been doing, but not, I, I wasn't a formal coach. So, uh, self-made you really, really was critical in developing that. And I soft launched that in the fall of 2019 and beta tested it with a few different people. And that was also invaluable because I got really fantastic feedback. And then um, I was going to launch it um, really hardcore in early 2020 and then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And I knew that journalists, um, and this was primarily aimed at journalists, uh, were going to have their head down, just overwhelmed with COVID coverage. And at the same time, we had a presidential election looming that November. And between those two, I just knew that I was not going to get the share of mind that I needed from prospective clients. So um, I did in the background kind of work with a couple of people here and there, but I really did not aggressively market it. And then as soon as the election was over, I knew people were more burned out than ever. Mm -hmm. And I knew what COVID was doing. And I decided to kind of crank up the heat on jump team coaching, which is what I called it. And um, I've had clients ever since. And sadly, the great resignation, I think, has benefited that um, that coaching business Um and we saw some 40,000 journalists leave the industry in 2020 through 2021, yeah. and it continues to grow. So, um, yeah, that's my story. Oh, and it's such a fascinating story. I think I obviously, you know, the, the average Joe doesn't have the insight or the perspective of what it's like on, you know, the news front. And so I'm curious as... I'm guessing a lot of our listeners are too, like what's causing that great resignation? Why is there this like, you know, level of uncomfort specifically in the journalism arena? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's a combination of many things. Many of it was, much of it was happening before COVID and then it was exacerbated by COVID. So if we back up way back, uh, 
on to the dawn of cable news. It became a 24 uh, seven kind of news cycle, which meant that right. instead of doing, you know, news at, you know, six in the morning and five and six at night, and maybe 10 o'clock, then, you know, you're suddenly feeding the news machine 24 seven. It also meant that fewer and fewer people were watching or reading your particular news outlet because they had a lot of different sources to go to. Right. Well, that had an impact on sales. And when it has an impact on sales, it means that you can no longer afford to have the same number of people supporting your news operation, right? Because mm-hmm. it is a business. Mm-hmm. And so what we were facing, even when I was in news, were fewer people uh, available to cover a larger news hole. We had more newscasts with fewer people to do it. So there's a high level of burnout. Mm -hmm. You also had less budget to pay people's salaries. So you had very minimal increases in salaries. And, um, then on the dawn of social media, suddenly you've got that added. People are having to tweet and post on top and file a digital form of their story, as well as if you're in TV, do your broadcast at six, noon, four, five, six, 10, 11. Like, it, you know, it's really cheap actually to put on your own newscast um, as opposed to buying, say, a, a prepackaged program. So there's more and more news that's happening. Yeah. So you've got fewer eyeballs, less money, you know, more stress, more strain. And um, ultimately what's happening is used to when you got to really big markets like L.A., Chicago, um, New York, those people had been there for decades. Mm-hmm. Well, now you might and even in the Twin Cities, we're in top 15 market. Um that means the largest 15 cities in the country, Mm -hmm. they're hiring people who um, maybe have two years of experience. Hmm. So when you combine people at that level working for two years of experience and they're bumping up against veterans who've been there for decades, there's a huge gap. And people, you know, people just don't feel valued, Mm -hmm. you know, so people are walking. And then you put COVID on top of it where they're going into dangerous situations. They're having to work from home. They're having to juggle work from home like everybody else. Mm -hmm. They're doing a broadcast from their living room while our child's working on their elementary school project. Um, It's just too much to bear. And so COVID just really put people over the edge. Yeah. Yeah. And as I'm sitting here listening to this story and I mean, your heart breaks for so many industries that have been so drastically affected through, you know, the pandemic and, and just, you know, the economic state of affairs. Um, It's so interesting to, to get the insight on, on a industry that a lot of us don't fully understand. And, but yet they were so significantly impacted. And I think, I think about like some of the things that you and I talked about just from best practices of coaching. And I, my clients won't be surprised to know that the foundation of everything I teach is how to manage your thoughts and your emotions. And so I get asked all the time, you know, why do you do what you do? And it's because I, of course, get to make a pretty significant impact in my client's life. Mm -hmm. But even bigger than that, my clients 
have an impact, an exponential impact on all sorts of people. And knowing that you have a, a great sense, a good understanding of the mind math and how that plays out, what the architecture of how you're thinking generates what it is that you're feeling. And that has an impact on how you show up. When you fully understand that, you then recognize how much control you really do have. And I think what the pandemic fueled was a feeling of less control. People felt so out of control. And so listening to you tell this story, I just keep thinking how lucky your clients are to have a coach who understands that concept of, you know, where the genesis of your results is, you know, it all starts at the level of your mind. And yeah, it, it does, Tracy. And, and thank you. I, I mean, I will say that when I was looking for a job to get out of news, there was no one I knew that had made that leap. Mm-hmm. And I, I took a year and it was 200 people I talked to and a year to make the leap. Wow. And I was like, you know, if I can make that transition two months <laughs> and coaching with me and making, you know, and working your network, oh my gosh, that that's going to be so much easier for people because these folks have never done anything else. They've only done news and they were attracted to news for a myriad of reasons, right? So it wasn't for the pay, I'll tell you that. But it was for this sense of, I want to do more. I want to do better. I want to tell the truth. I want to right the wrongs. I mean, there's a mission oftentimes involved in attraction to this type of work. Mm -hmm. So the other thing, when you talk about the mind, the other thing that this group was up against is suddenly over the course of time, journalism has been eroding as a respected, um, you know, as a respected career. And, um, you know, you think of Edward R. Murrow, Walter Cronkite, the titans of journalism, very respected. But, you know, that has been eroding. And then what happened is during, you know, the last presidential season, there's this whole thing about fake news. Right. Mm-hmm. And these people are doing everything in their power every day to tell the truth. And yet people now are really suspect at to what they're sharing and thinking they're making things up. There's a huge defeatism that starts to happen and a huge psyche impact. Yeah. So they are getting, they're having low morale, low confidence. They feel like now what they're doing doesn't matter. People don't really care about what they're doing and not, and then you add on top of that, the, well, I need to make a career pivot and I don't even know what my options are because I've only done this. Yeah. Confidence is low. Morale is low. So to your point, I do spend a lot of time just really talking about how valuable their skills are mm-hmm. and that they will really be valued mm-hmm. in another career. Mm-hmm. You right. know, and, yeah. and the thing that they often have to get over is this mission. Mm-hmm. And so I also coach too, but you can still have that mission. You just have to to redirect it, right? And maybe it's where you work, you know, maybe you work for a nonprofit or what you do in your off time or what, you know, maybe volunteer. But so so I have to coach to a myriad of, I guess, challenges Mm -hmm. in that career. Yeah. Yeah. I never really thought about that. You know, it's like you don't 
you kind of lose sight of the people behind the news. You know, when you're talking about fake news, you aren't normally talking about the person or the people, right. the team that's, you know, doing the the investigative reporting and the producing and the, you know, the broadcasting. And those are real human beings that got into this industry for very respectable reasons. And I think about how many people I coach who have thoughts around um, being an imposter. You know, this imposter syndrome is, man, it's like a, it's a pandemic of itself. I, from the, the huge, the enormous amount of people that come to me with, you know, suffering from imposter syndrome, it's, it really has become something that I think we all need to really take a deep dive into. But imposter syndrome is fueled by your own thinking, right? We all think that we don't have what it takes, or we really tend to focus on the, you know, failed attempts. And what I'm hearing you say is you're dealing with people who are actually hearing other people call them out, you know, and, and articulating that they're doing wrong or that they're not enough or they're not doing it right. Exactly. And that's a whole nother ball game. It's a whole nother level. And then you know, they want to make a move, but they, again, feel like imposters because they've never done anything else. Yeah. So how am I really going to go be successful anywhere else? Because I don't even know how my skills translate. And on top of that, I'm coming out of an environment that's beaten me down. I talk a lot about PTSD um, coming out of news. And um, I talk a lot about my first year out of news and what that was like for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I talk about, and I don't ever want to like say it's the same as being a soldier. So yeah, don't call me out on that. I'm just saying PTSD can come from a lot of places. Right. And there is a little PTSD coming out of that because it's mm-hmm. almost like you've been in an abusive relationship Yeah. and you're trying to make a break, but you still hold on to a lot of that thinking. Yeah. And so I do, I do try to prepare them on what it's going to be like that first year. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be enough just to get a new job. You have to change your mindset. Right. And you have to know that you're worthy. You bring value. You're going to have positive impact. And yes, you may not actually see that immediately because you do have to learn this new career. You do have to give yourself grace and time mm-hmm. to make an impact, but it will come. Yeah. And um, so dealing with the PTSD is is also another layer. Yeah. So you're coaching them on a mental and an emotional. And then do you give them ideas of where their skill sets can be applied to? So, man, you're hitting on all levels with these in regards to coaching. So, yes, yes. The skill set piece is critical because. we, we go in and we look at what they love doing, what they don't love doing, what they're passionate about. Um, every job they ever had going back to, you know, when they were a kid and what they loved and what brought them joy. And we really double down on the basics to get them to remember what brought them joy. Because yeah. by the time I get them, 
there's not a lot of joy there. Yeah. So it's a lot of just kind of, okay, let's really, let's really get real with what you love to do. And, and then how does that translate into a hireable skill? Yeah. So that I try to make those connections um, for them. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, they are absolutely, if they find you, which I think that you have a very unique niche and, um, and I'm guessing that it has, you know, there's a big word of mouth because it's probably, a, you know, it's a pretty tight community. I'm, I'm quite sure. Right? Yes. Yeah, so it's very tight. Like um, you likely know each other or you've heard of each other, or you have someone in common, yeah. or you worked at this at the TV station or the media outlet before or after that person. Like there's always some overlap, never, never fails. So yeah. yes, where the mouth is really important in yeah. what I do. Yeah. So I, I'm sure that you're listening to this and listening to what an exciting and you know, I, I've always thought that the news and any sort of broadcast, um, any any career within the broadcast industry is kind of sexy. And it's always super fun to, to hear about and be, and of course, work amongst creative people. That's right. always such a value add. But, you know, what I think makes Maria such a beautiful example of being self-made is that you know, she's got such a good perspective and she, she knows how to tell a story. That's, that's one thing that I'll say right there. She knows how to tell a great story, but she also takes responsibility for all of her results, whether, you know, she would deem them positive or negative, intentional or unintentional. She takes responsibility for it all. And so she's a great model of that. And I know that she carries that through and, teaches that to her clients. Um, what do you think of when I say that, you know, you are truly a beautiful model of what it means to be self-made? Oh, well, first I'm like, thank you. That's so kind. Um, and second, um, you know, I would just say that being self-made is about, you know, taking the tenets that you teach and that you coach on and, you know, using that to build your own version of your vision, right? Because we all each have our own vision. But, but what you teach are the fundamental components to building that. Yeah. And that, you know, you allow for that creativity and that customization and um, you're, you're very consultative and collaborative. And so I'm just the result of that. Right. That's all I'm going to say. And um, jump team is the the result of that. And the way I coach. Yes, I coach based on a lot of my experience, but I also coach because you coached me. And I, I like to think I'm I'm modeling some of oh, yes. <laughs> some of that. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it interesting? Mm -hmm. The cycle of events. It's like mm -hmm. I have highly respected you for my entire career and I would love to model what I see. And then you came to me and now you've learned how to self-coach and then yeah. coach other people. And, you know, that is such a pillar of what I think um, successful professionals um, own. It's, it's this understanding of how to self-coach right. um, so that you can create, so that you can create choice, um, you know, 
in how you're thinking, how you're feeling, how you're showing up. You always have a choice. And so if you're listening and you're thinking, yeah, but you don't know my story, Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you that you always have a choice. You can choose to feel differently. You have to notice, you have to be able to have a heightened sense of awareness around what thoughts are generating that feeling, that energy that's running through your body. And once you have the ability to pinpoint, connect the dots between the thought that you're having and the feeling that you're experiencing, your whole world cracks open because that looks like control. And it's applicable in every industry for every person. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's funny that you say that because, you know, when I think about the secret to becoming self-made, there's like three words that I had. Well, there's four really, but three ideas, hardworking, tenacity, and mindset. Mm -hmm. And if you've got hard work, because it all takes hard work, Yeah. but you really are tenacious, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're positive, you know, that combination is pretty unbeatable in my opinion. I agree. I 100% agree. Has nothing to do with luck. I'll tell no. you that. Be willing <laughs> to work harder than what you're than what you're being paid 100% of the time. Yeah. Yeah, I think surround yourself with good people. I would I would add yeah. to that, you know, be aware of um what you're taking in, you know, what you're reading, what you're listening to and who you surround yourself by. I think that that's another biggie. Um Yeah. So yeah. Anything else that you want to add to this conversation? Well, I would just say that uh, thank you for being there when I needed you. Um, you know, Jump Team would not be what it is today had I not made that call and said, Tracy, I need your help. I need to do your course in 30 days. Will you help me? <laughs> and um, just everything that you're doing to help everyone out there, you know, when you think about, you know, what really gives you joy, I'm sure that when you do that check of yourself, it's about helping other people. That's what gives you joy. And I would just tell listeners really, you know, be honest about what gives you joy. Yeah. Helping people may not be it. Right. And that's OK. But what gives you joy? Uh, because life is short and what we do um, takes up a ton of energy and time and Uh, I would just say, do what gives you joy and step out in confidence. And that's what coaching is all about is having someone come alongside you and and listen and support and help provide that confidence um, to you. So anyway, that's my tip. And thank you, Tracy, for all of that help. Oh, my pleasure. Those are the best words to end this conversation. (laughs) I couldn't I couldn't say it any better. And that makes perfect sense coming from Maria Retan. Yeah. Well, and before we leave, I have to ask, you know, you asked me what sports I had in high school and I said cheerleading. So I'm just wondering, little cheerleader in you, maybe from high school? I was going to say, take a guess. (laughs) I'm going to say cheerleading. Yeah. Yeah. And it was actually I um, didn't cheer in high school. I had it with I had it in me. That's for sure. Like. I was everybody's biggest fan. I, there wasn't a game that I wasn't at because I just had that school spirit. 
Yeah. And so when I got into college, I actually became a cheerleader. Isn't that crazy? I so love that. that is crazy, actually, because normally you can't get to that level without yeah. having cheered before. So you have some natural talent. Well, it was it, the natural talent came in the form of school spirit. It definitely wasn't in athleticism. Let's just say that. <laughs> it was a very small school who really needed a cheerleader. OK, oh. so I happened to be in the right place at the right time. But that actually led me to work during college. I worked for UCA, Universal Cheerleaders. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, wow. um, so I got to, it was so fascinating because I got to um, go to all of the high school tryouts and I was one oh. of three judges at so many tryouts. And, oh, I'll never forget those tryouts, Tracy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, oh. I actually was going to school in Oklahoma. So majority of the schools that I was judging were Oklahoma, North or Southern Oklahoma and Northern Texas, where cheerleading is taken ex very, very yeah, seriously. seriously. Yeah. So it was a fascinating world to be a part of for sure. And it's cheerleading at a whole nother level. So somebody that, you know, never cheered, had no formal experience or training in high school, kind of being dumped into it in college and then getting to see like what real cheerleading was all about. I mean, it was such a wow. fascinating, yeah, experience. So yeah, we're going to have to talk about that another time because I want to hear more stories. I'm sure you have got amazing stories, but yeah. good for you. That's, that's pretty crazy. Thank you. Yeah, kind of a fun story. Thanks for asking. So, Maria, thank you for being here on my birthday. Oh, I'm just so thrilled that I get to talk to you on your birthday. Happy birthday. I hope everyone's spoiling you and you're just surrounded by people you love today. You deserve I it. I am. So thank you for being here, Maria. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. If you are ready to overcome your biggest obstacles and create what you once thought impossible, I want to invite you to join the Self-Made Mind and Body Program, where you will learn how to master yourself. It's the only thing that stands in the way of what you want most. Learn more at www.self-made-and-the-letter-u.com.